What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the cycle 365. This is episode 43. And before I move forward, I just want to say it is the official one year anniversary of the cycle 365. Maybe not the you know anniversary of our very first episode, that'll be in like a month or so. But this time a year ago in 2019, we founded the cycle 365. I started making my content, or you know, we started making our content. I remember doing raw reactions and whatnot, and yeah, and you know, it's it's a big deal. So happy one year, boys! Um, also, this is like episode fifty-one. We just passed our fiftieth podcast episode this week with our last mini series episode uh, with our interviews with Anthony and Cody. So check those out if you haven't yet. But anyways, I am your co-host Simon Voyanos. I'm Cody Stoffer. I'm Liam Hughes. <laughs> yeah and yeah happy anniversary and we're gonna have a great episode today so cody why don't you kick us off we're gonna do a little baseball update from opening weekend well first and foremost the most important news of the weekend simon owes me lunch okay hey. here i'm gonna just throw this out there i'm not i wasn't sure how baseball series worked during the regular season i thought you meant like out of all the games, because I saw that there were a couple more games like in a month or so. Well, well, that's a different series of games, though. The ser- series is like uh, one set of games. <laughs> also, <laughs> my, also, my Siri just woke up when I said series. Okay. Bruh. Well, I really didn't know that because I know in basketball, a series is over a whole season. But okay, that's fine. I don't mind it. Well... I mean, if you took the bet on just the Friday game, you'd have lunch. <laughs> yeah. Because you the Rangers did win that one, one to nothing. And I mean, for a lot of people, I, I bet, Simon, I don't know how you felt about it. Were you like kind of bored by it? Um, I didn't watch it. <laughs> okay. I was oh following God. it on my phone. And like, if there's like a sudden explosion of like runs or scores, I would have tuned in, but it was one no, so no. Yeah, but the only person who could do anything on the Rockies in that first game was David Dahl, who's going to continue to ball out for us, if you couldn't tell by the other games that we had. But yeah, yeah, I feel I feel good about I feel like the Rockies just needed to warm up because the only exhibition games we played were in Coors and hitting in Colorado versus anywhere else is pretty different. So, and the all-star voters won't let you forget about it either. So true. And it was a good series though. Um, the second game really, it really gave me a headache. <laughs> just <laughs> throw that out there. I, so basically the Rangers lost three to two, but the bases were loaded for like at least twice in the last three innings, I would say. So there are multiple moments where, uh, you know one home run or even one double would have won the game but instead we struck out and hit a lot of uh pop-ups and it was probably the most disappointing way to go out considering it was a long three innings at least in my opinion so yeah i really thought we had that one and after we lost that one i i kind of knew it was it was going to be downhill from there but you know good series i guess yeah i mean it was, it was good baseball, and uh, one of my favorite stories was Daniel Bard, who the Rockies just called up within the past month, I think. Um, he made his first Major League start since 2013. Wow. So, 
So was he minor leagues before, I'm assuming, or? So he just like had a lot of con control issues is, is what they call it, where he, he just had a lot of wild pitches out in Boston. Okay. And so it kind of muddled him through the minor leagues and the farm system for quite a bit. And oh, my bad, his first win since 2013 but that's still pretty bad okay. so yeah. <laughs> i mean seven years is a really long time especially in baseball so yeah he he returned to the mound and he's credited with the win so that is uh that's fair i mean yeah uh, all, all the credit to him i'm not gonna lie the pitching was pretty great or it got really good um these last two games for the rockies i'd say so i mean i was impressed and i'm not gonna lie like I'm like I said, I'm not a baseball fan like that. But watching people try to pitch and like throwing changeups and fastballs and cur like all that stuff, and like seeing like the oh, what is it called the box? The air is that what it's called? Oh, no. what the uh, strike zone? Sorry, yeah, the strike zone. Yeah, trying to aim for that or trying to angle it so that it looks like it's aiming for that. Pitching Loki might be one of the harder positions to play in all of sports. I mean, at least I know I wouldn't have been able to do it. <laughs> so, oh yeah, yeah, and it's and it's a huge mind game too, like more than anything. Sure. I mean, it's maybe the most demanding, honestly. As far that. as like being being just aware of everything. Yeah. In the no, game, no, for sure. You know, and then yeah. working one mu like not one muscle, but working one set of muscles on your throwing arm, basically exclusively. We saw the wear and tear this weekend because Verlander for the Astros experienced an elbow sprain, I think it was. So he's out for yeah. a couple weeks and his season is in question. Corey Kluber, who was the Rangers pitcher in the third game, left with shoulder tightness. And that sucks because the Rangers traded for him and... He was a World Series pitcher a couple of years ago for the Cleveland baseball team against the Cubs in the World Series. So, yeah. Also, I thought Verlander was out for the season. Is that not? Is that not it? He thinks that he could come back, but okay. Well, I mean, we'll see if there's a season, but we'll get to that here in a second as well. True. All right. Fair enough. But yeah, Simon owes me lunch. Um, and if he comes up to Cowtown this weekend, uh, what should I get for lunch, Liam? For lunch? Just get McDonald's and call it good, huh? <laughs> <laughs> only, <For> if, lunch? <laughs> only if the ice cream machine is working, bro. Uh, All right, so oh, no McDonald's on. then. I guess we're oh, we, Taco Bell. we could get McDonald's and then go to one of the many. Well, I don't know if they're actually open, but there's some ice cream shops in Greeley we could find. Many? Where? Oh, there's one. If uh, there's a oh my gosh, down by uh, the target. Yeah, there's oh. that. I was also thinking of like that little shop that's down the. It's like the same street as of as that calzone place. I'm like blanking out on the place. Oh, on Dippy Does? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I went oh. there with a with a, a female friend of mine, and it was pretty good. So. Oh, I remember this. I remember this. Support your local ice cream shops, Greeley residents, because well, apparently they're good. Well, I'm not going to tell people to visit Colorado to go to a Greeley ice cream shop. Well, okay. That's That'd fine. be messed up, bro. It's, it's a solid It's a solid shop, and the guy's a really nice guy. I like him. But yeah. Anyways, let's, let's get back to baseball, though. <laughs> yeah. So uh, going back to baseball, there were – 
I think a handful of surprises this weekend. And I was talking to Simon a little bit before, you know, this is only three or four games that we've played so far, but every game weighs about two and a half times as much because it's only 60 games versus 162. So it's a sprint. And there were some surprises like Baltimore is two and one. And I didn't think that they were going to have a winning record this entire season. Like, I seriously thought they, well, they still have a chance to only win 10 games. But yeah. the fact that they got above the margin, especially after losing 13 to two in the opening game, I thought it was just going to be that for the whole year, honestly. <laughs> and yeah, the Dodgers lost twice to the, to the Giants, which was pretty nice. And Simon said he caught some of the Padres game and, our our buddy Zach, who's a Diamondbacks fan, told me today that the Padres are legit. But I said, "Well, we'll wait and see after they play a team that's not the Diamondbacks." So, yeah, um, <laughs> that's fair. Diamondbacks game was rough. I was watching it with my mom actually, or she was there for a little bit of it, and she doesn't know baseball at all. But she was she was critical of the Diamondbacks. Like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that should say all you need to know. But they're not a good whoops sorry they're not a good team to be honest so we'll, we'll just have to see yeah they're a far What's cry new? from what they were only like three four years ago were they good three four years ago yeah we faced them in the wild card yeah oh yeah they kicked us out of the wild card maybe two years in a row actually. <laughs> they because che- they cheated well yeah they were caught they were caught cheating so oh. like legitimately caught cheating what do you mean cheating? Like Science what the Astros point. did? Okay. All right. That's fair. It's not fair, but I get it is what I'm yeah. saying. Bro, I, I I think everyone does it, but there's just certain teams that get caught. So, I mean, it's especially, well, it's especially like lowbrow when you get caught doing it, you know? I mean, they're not even trying yeah. to not get caught either. So like, it's whatever. But hey, it's probably like impossible to do that now where you can't like hide amongst all the other distractions happening in the game but what do i know i'm not a cheating conspiracy theorist expert so but anyways all right <laughs> anyways oh and then shout out to uh my grandpa george who's a uh, cardinals fan he lives out in oklahoma and he sent me a text Two and one this weekend, and if we do the same thing all year, forty and twenty is a playoff spot. So, and he's right. So, that's, that's I mean, definitely forty and twenty would be a very strong playoff spot at that point. Yeah, yeah. Which I think the Cardinals could probably do, honestly. But in the biggest, un- unfortunately, the biggest baseball news, the Miami Marlins had. Would you say fourteen players, Simon? Yeah. Okay, well, in the post was a little unclear. I'm not gonna lie, but maybe it's because I was reading through it a little bit quick. But um, I'm, I'm not gonna say why. But I was in meetings. But anyways, it, <laughs> it said that there were 14, at least 14, is what it said. At least 14 players or staff that tested positive for COVID right before the game, and that's kind of a lot. So basically, they had to cancel their game. Uh, I think it was their home opener today. So it happened um we don't know if the team's gonna come back or you know i'm they've played somebody already though right i'm pretty sure they have over the weekend yeah the phillies actually also canceled their games 
because the Marlins were just there. So, well, not yeah. canceled, but it's postponed. So the Marlins and Orioles don't get to play this weekend or at least today and tomorrow. And the Phillies don't get to play this weekend either. So, right. Um, that's not a good look. <laughs> that's you're already basically canceling out two teams for one week and it could get worse. Like it could have most definitely been worse, you know? Um, they could have played way more teams and it would be more widespread by now, but, uh, you know, like that's not what you want to look at because if that's going to keep happening throughout the season, I don't know how sustainable this season for baseball could possibly be if teams just keep canceling out every other week, you know, yeah, every so other I, team cancels out every week. So how's that, how's that going to work with playoff implications? Are we going to go to like a percentage based playoff? Like if you uh, see that's. I don't know i mean see that's what i'm wondering because uh, i don't know like percentage-based playoffs could be a little like just in any sport could be a little weird i feel because most definitely some teams i'll play more games and that's why their percentage is lower or higher you know th that's just how that works right. and i just i don't know that's why i'm saying it's unsustainable because that's unfair if one team like let's say the marlins didn't play like half the season but because of their percentage, they still get to go to the playoffs. Like, bro, right. no. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's not fair, especially for a team that's on a bubble or a team that might be on the bubble. So, I don't know, Cody, you might know more about this. But in my opinion, if this keeps happening, it's not a sustainable uh, baseball season. Well, everybody in the league is definitely really worried about it. And you guys bring up good points about, like, the percentage thing. Because, I mean, like... If the season ended today, you know, like the Marlins would be in the playoffs and like they're not a good team. So like it would just be really stupid that they're there like at all. So, you know, you have bad teams that are going to end up in the playoffs if the season stops, especially like this early. And you're going to have good teams that miss the playoffs just because they haven't gotten the ball rolling. And secondly, I think that this speaks huge volumes about Florida like we Ben knew that Florida is, is not ugh, I'm trying to think of the way to say this without losing my mind but Florida is a joke they're wearing clown shoes and the whole nation is watching and now their baseball team has just ruined four other or three other baseball teams for MLB you know like Guys, you seriously need to get it together. I know that playing for the Marlins probably stinks because you guys suck, but like, I'm sorry, you can't go out and party just because your team is trash. So, and you know, Florida, I'm pretty sure Florida is still wide open as a state and their cases, Florida cases have outpaced some countries on this planet. So. Well, Florida is the highest in America now, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, they, they passed New York because they've just been wide open for the past couple of weeks. And it's like, it's not hard to see that this was going to happen, you know? Like that's why that's why the NBA is in a bubble, so to speak. So that well, well we'll talk about that bubble a little bit later. But <laughs> because there's an interesting development over the weekend. But um yeah, it's it's a very bad look and it just shows you how easily it can spread even with this regional format that the MLB has. Like Bro, every team could get COVID like that, you know? So, 
Because they're um, and they're traveling and they're on planes, like it can I mean, they're probably all private planes, but yeah. It could still be it's bad. Still. There's still pilots and stuff, you know, and yeah, exactly. staff that have to clean the planes, like Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not a good look. The whole Miami Marlins team basically pulled a Lou Will together. So <laughs> <laughs> Oh but, Lou Will. Yeah, we're, we're, we'll, I have some opinions on that, but when we get to that segment, we'll talk about it. Um, yeah, not a good look. Been knowing this about Florida, though. Um, I feel like pro athletes should know better if they want a season, but maybe honestly, they don't care, you know, and they're like, hey, we never wanted to come back to begin with, so this is what we're going to do, but that's not, that's a pretty selfish move, not going to lie. I, I don't think that the players are thinking that specifically. I think it's okay. literally like, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, we're not going to have, we're not going to have a classroom party because the, these three kids acted up. I think that's kind of what the dealio is with MLB right now. It, is they're going to ruin it for everyone else. So. I mean, that's fair, but you know, when enough kids keep acting up. Eventually you just cancel the whole thing. That's coming from a teacher, so uh, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, that's why there's, there's room to be concerned for sure. No there's collective no, like, punishment, Simon. See, but, well, like the thing is, you can't protect other teams unless you just say, like, "Hey, sorry, Miami, your season's canceled because you don't know how to act like a bunch of adults." So everyone else is going to play their season while you you go home, you know, because. I really feel like this won't be the last time that this happens because what there's like 50 more games still <laughs> Come on, bro. Like I'm just it Doesn't really feel like you know, like this is trending in the right direction until they show us to be honest, so I'm still crossing my fingers Because as of right now the Rockies are second in the NL West. So like <laughs> I'd love I'd love for this this season to keep going, but Players got to be smart. They got to stay in and figure it out. Enough. So did we have anything else for baseball or? Um, I was just going to throw in some numbers that baseball. So the opening game for the Yankees and the Nationals was 17% higher rated nationally for a primetime game on Fox than any game last year on Fox that was primetime. So we want baseball. The fans want baseball. The people want baseball. We're fine with watching it on TV. And it's it's up to the players and the teams too. Like obviously, you know, the players are grown grown adults, right? But it's also up to the managers and I'd say even the owners of the team to be like, hey, we got to act right if we're going to be able to play this season and everyone get paid and and such. So, yeah, but fair enough. I mean, we that comes down to a leadership thing. I mean, we've seen the effect that the nation has had from poor leadership in the face of this pandemic, and I don't think sports are any different. So, yeah, you know, it is what it is. About that uh, opening pitch from uh, Dr. Dr. Oh, oh my God, <laughs> bro. I really wish he would have nailed that. So like people wouldn't have made so many memes 
Bro, okay, not, but, but some of them were so know. funny. Like my favorite, one of my favorite things was, dude, you know he cares about like uh, social distancing because he didn't want anyone to catch anything. Because that was one of the worst first pitches I've ever seen in my life, other than maybe the 50 cent one. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, their first Dude, pitches can make it to the plate, bro. George Bush Sr. had a better first pitch, and dude, like, <laughs> I'm not trying to, like, bro, bro was like a thousand years old by the time he was thrown at that first pitch, so get it to the plate at least if I was on that national level or any level. I, I don't know where it would be, but dude, his no. form was so bad, he like. He looked so stiff throwing a baseball. Like he never even touched one in his whole life. I think he said Only that he played. He's uh, stressed out. I think he said he played first base. What? Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bro. I even at first laughing. base, you have or to maybe, throw it back to the mound. Like, maybe. Oh my maybe he gosh. said he played shortstop. I can't remember it, but he he said. I think he he said in an interview that he was he thought he was trying <laughs> to throw it to first base, and that he because he played shortstop or something. Dude, that just sounded like an excuse for how bad that throw yeah. was, honestly. That's- he play in high school or like, was it like, yeah, I played that one time when I was seven. I think he played in high school. But oh, that's no, still bro. like 50 he, he be playing, years for me. He be playing in like adult leagues, bro. <laughs> oh, Re- recreation leagues. I mean, okay, everyone has a bad pitch, you know? COVID's been going around, so it's not like he could practice his fastball. Yeah, I'm sure he hasn't thrown a, thrown a baseball in like 20 years. Dude, okay, if I'm throwing Neither. a first pitch, I'm like warming up that day though. Like, dog, do you really not know somebody to stand like 90 feet from you just to throw it? Like, just get Cody, it to them. I, I can't Maybe. wait until like 20 years from now, we, we look back <laughs> at this and we have a like a, a bad take. And you're like, yo, I'd just be working out and I'd be warming up. And then we play the clip of you just whiffing worse nah, than bro bro yeah, my, honestly, first pitch, though, my first pitch is going to be in the general area of the catcher like, <laughs> so you say that now but it might slip like maybe he was practicing and it like of course it was like the one out of 90 that just you know yeah it, maybe it, it happened press cut on <laughs> goes backwards yeah, yeah you know it just you know he pulled a Jameis winston like a 50 50 type of thing and just messed up so Dude, Dr. Fauci, for being a doctor, he, he should get Tommy John surgery on that throwing arm because that is the worst, one of the worst pitches I've ever seen. But we're just getting a mechanical arm. But... Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I, I'm not going to clown because, like, I'm almost like I'm not a baseball player, but I know I would suck. Like, it would be bad to be honest. Probably put it in the area, but I, I don't know. That's Liam, a, a it depends the area. <laughs> all right, if, fellas, if if we all hang out this weekend, we are practicing our first pitch, okay? That's the okay, deal. Okay. I got baseball gloves. I have a baseball. We are figuring this out. Well, while we're at that, we might as well spar as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just oh, messing. But also or, maybe, not. or maybe hoop. Speaking of. The way. Speaking of. Coming up next. NBA preview.
Welcome back to the Cycle 365, recorded on July 27, 2020, our 50th episode and one-year anniversary. We're not doing anything crazy for it, but in big NBA news, Lou Williams has changed his shoe to be size 25 clown shoe for leaving the bubble and stopping by a strip club in Atlanta. He's now quarantined for 10 days inside the bubble of NBA, and I think there's further repercussions to come through. Simon, Liam, what are your guys' thoughts on on this story, and how serious of a violation is this, and how threatening is it to the you know continuation of the NBA season? Um. Okay. Well, hold up. First off, it's episode fifty-one total. Oh, fifty-one. But, uh, that's right. Because the uh, the mini series interview with Anthony and Cody is episode fifty. You're right. Oh, and uh, check that out if you haven't yet. But uh, so how I see this incident, first off, it, it reminds me a lot of when Rudy Gobert touched all of those mics, and then like a week later, he shut down the whole NBA. And I really hope that doesn't happen. I'm pretty sure it won't, but it was pretty concerning. It's like seeing the stories and whatnot that came out because he said that he had to leave like extreme personal family issues, right? Then, and honestly, like he wouldn't have gotten caught if it wasn't for the rapper that he was with, Jack Harlow. And for those of y'all that don't know who he is, he's the what's popping guy. Um, but basically, he. <laughs> It's really, okay. Looking back, it's kind of funny because, you know, nobody's infected, but the rapper isn't the smartest guy in the world. And he posted a picture of him and Lou Will at a strip club and was like, you'll never know who was just here. And then the strip club posted, shout out to Jack Harlow and Lou Williams for visiting. <laughs> oh, <laughs> That's how they found out because Lou Will wasn't about to tell anybody. He went somewhere else rather than the place that he said he was going to go, which I think it was a funeral, but then people were saying like, yeah, you know, that's just a coping mechanism, but like, dude, you know, what's crazy is that you're not even a rookie, like you're not a kid, you're in a, you're one of the more respected, or was one of the more respected veterans in the bubble, so what are you doing, like, you know not to visit anywhere, but, you know, the funeral, and then come back, and that's it. Because honestly, it sets a bad precedent, and then the NBA is probably going to be like, "Well, you know, I don't know. Like, are people actually leaving to go, like, you know, leave for personal reasons and whatnot?" Because it wasn't just Lou Williams that did it; Patrick Beverly did it, Montrezl O'Hara did it, a lot of the Clippers players did it, and it was just the—I mean, there are other people, but they had more legitimate reasons. But it was just the Clippers players who were obviously following Lou Will's lead. Um, it is a little bit concerning too that Kawhi or Paul George literally didn't say anything about it either. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's just, it really rubbed me the wrong way, you know? And I remember seeing the notification episode and just thinking like, bro, if Lou Williams ends up canceling the whole NBA season, just like Rudy Gobert, I am never going to forgive him for that. <laughs> At least the second time. And I'm going to be honest, like, I was kind of feeling the Knicks, th or sorry, the Knicks, the Clippers this year. But <laughs> You're honest, not feeling the Knicks. <laughs> they ain't oh, there. No one's feeling the Knicks. <laughs> oh, and there's some news there too, by the way, but we'll talk about that later. But anyways, um, I just... I don't know. I don't respect the Clippers. I just don't. And like as a Dallas Mavericks fan, I've always kind of hated them. 
But like, I kind of put that aside when DeAndre Jordan came to us and then we traded him for Kristaps Porzingis and Tim Hardaway. That made me feel better. But this kind of just reminded me how much I really dislike the Clippers and Doc Rivers and all of them fools because they really could have put the whole NBA season in jeopardy. And you know what? I'm just going to cut off my rant here because that's really all I want to say about it. But I think they're a bunch of clowns. I think, and plus Lubo doesn't even feel bad. Like, he literally responded to a dude on Twitter saying like, oh, well, Lubo just has, it's a coping mechanism. Like the fan was trying to defend him. And then Lubo responded basically saying like, hey, bro, it's really not that serious. Like, I mean, I got caught. It happened. You know what? You know what else is to it? That's it. Like he really like responded like he didn't care if the season went on or not. And like was just like, you know, you don't got to defend me. Like it happened. And I'm like, okay, fool. Like, I don't know. That's all I got to say a lot but still very fair <laughs> i mean that's all facts though so yeah yeah am what do you think about the situation <laughs> i mean i think it's a joke really you know <laughs> you can't be doing that you just literally can't be doing that but here we are you know he he claimed to be stopping for chicken wings and in Lou Will's defense, everybody who's spoken about Magic City said that their chicken wings are good. So like, <laughs> he has he has some verifiable backup that the food is good where he stopped. But still, okay. I I gotta echo Simon's at, uh, sentiment that like like bro, Zion left for a family emergency and he didn't cause any headlines. Like he was, he was out of the bubble and he was back in the bubble, you know, yeah. like, and he's a and, teenager or yeah, maybe he's not. Well, he might no, be I think, might be I think 20. he's 20 now. Okay. Which well, still still messed up because he's younger than us, but like, but yeah, you're right. Lou Williams been in the game for 15 or 16 years and like, bruh, I just, you gotta be smarter than that. Like. And and you bring up a good comparison with the Rudy Gobert thing, which Rudy Gobert been a clown. Like if you didn't know that before this year, you hopefully woke up when he touched all those microphones and literally was the first person to test positive for COVID and got <laughs> like the entire NBA shut down because that's what defensive players of the years do, which he shouldn't be even winning those anyway. But anyways, um, yeah, it's, it's just kind of selfish. Like, you're taking time to your to yourself, right? And that's cool. But don't come back to the bubble like if if you're going to be going out, you know? Like we don't need that kind of selfishness in the NBA. And they play they play in well, we're recording this on Monday. They play on Thursday. So by the time that you hear this, they played yesterday and like Lou Williams isn't going to be able to play the game. Yeah. He'll be at the first two games, actually, out of eight, I'm pretty sure. It's kind of a lot. I mean, the Clippers didn't really have a chance of moving up to the first seed, but they could most definitely drop. And there's some teams that are gunning for them. You know, Denver's one for sure. And we could actually talk about Denver now if you want, unless you want to talk about Lou Williams more. Oh, God, the Nuggets look so good. <laughs> Bro. Okay. Well, <laughs> I was telling you that Bobo was looking good, bro. Yeah. Back in 
dude, this could be a good take depending on like where we see Bulbul. If if he plays during these playoffs, bro, he could be like an complete weapon X hidden weapon kind of guy that the Nuggets have. And we saw some of it. I know it's exhibition games, but like everything he does looks so easy, bro. Well, it helps when you're like seven five, so there's that, but I get it. I mean, people can be seven five and not be good at basketball though. Like he has good dribbling. He has a great three-point shot. He drained quite a few three-pointers. He like he has pretty good court vision. He also him and Jokic have really good chemistry together, which kind of took me by surprise because like they really haven't played with each other at all. So, well, we'll have to see. Um, I mean, okay, I'll give him some credit. He was pretty impressive. Uh, that Nuggets game was one of the first scrimmages I watched actually and I mean, okay i don't know like big men look good i feel like they've always looked solid uh i mean i don't know how concerned you are cody but it's definitely a little concerning that you know gary harris isn't playing jamal murray isn't playing i didn't really see tory craig wait is he st he's still on the team right tory well, craig tory oh. craig isn't like he's the not point is he's not even like a starter <laughs> He's like a defensive specialist, so that's fair. But the point is, they still only have like two guards out there and like six big men. And uh, I mean, I don't know, bro. Like, it maybe there's some concern here. Maybe there's not. Maybe I'm just reading too much into it. But like, the reason that Mike Malone gave, at least that's this is what the announcer said, was that like they felt like they weren't ready to play, like physically. I don't know if they're just really rusty or like they were on the verge of getting injured or whatnot, but like pretty sure they haven't played a scrimmage yet. And it's been like three or four or three games so far. Like the season starts on Thursday. So it's like, all right, well, when are you, you know, are they good? Like are they okay? Cause it sounds like they're really rusty physically, you know, which is crazy because people were talking all that mess about Luca being way out of shape. And then he basically drops a triple double in 20 minutes. So yeah, Luca's going to be fine. He actually, yeah. he actually looks healthier than he's been all season. If I'm going to be completely honest, Luca does. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, do you have inside information? Like, what do you think about the nuggets guards? Cause they're, they're not there. And I didn't see Michael Porter jr. I don't know if he's going to be playing or what I, I didn't. Same don't know if mpj is going to be playing if i'm going to be completely honest yeah okay dude be really uh, interesting just yeah well i mean they're just going to ease back in because okay a lot of the guys didn't like gary harris and craig didn't even show up tour to orlando until like last sunday yeah so yeah i mean i think that I'm not too worried because honestly, in Jokic we trust. Like, yeah, I I know that that sounds like pretty like desperate, but a Jokic lost a lot of weight. We saw it. He looks like in he's in pretty good shape, and with even with the misfit kind of and no offense to any Nuggets players. Plus, bless my boy Mason Plumley, he a dog. But, you know, even with, like, the misfit second and third stringers that we had in with Jokic, he was making all of them better. 
Like he's just one of those players that elevates everyone around him. So I think that, you know, easing our starters back into the lineup will be fine because then, you know, they can work back up to the level that they were. And I think it's better safe than sorry. Plus it's not the playoffs yet. So no. I'm like getting a higher seed would obviously be nicer, but I mean, there's no home court, you know, which is like half of it. So we'll just, I think that the Nuggets could take on probably almost anybody as long as we don't face the Rockets, which I think might be who we're matched up against actually at this moment. But <laughs> well, um, we are just gonna have to see because I, I'm not gonna lie, like after watching this weekend of scrimmages, maybe this just is a bit this is just a big overreaction, but we could most definitely see some pretty significant shakeups in the playoff picture. Like, I don't think it's going to be like, oh, one or two teams moved up. Like, we could see some teams switching spots. I'm not going to lie. Like, we, we were talking about the Mavericks earlier. I'm, I'm not trying to get too, like, you know, excited about the Mavericks because there are most definitely times where, you know, we played really well in the regular season, then let us down at that 2009 Mavericks or whatever that lost to the Golden State Warriors who were in eighth seed. But, God, that's still... <laughs> but still, like I think, not gonna lie, like I do think the Mavericks could push up higher than the seventh seed. It's really hard to believe that if they don't, like you know, they don't win six of their eight games, which is, I mean, honestly, it's only six games. It's really not that much that they can't move up at least a couple spots, maybe to the fifth or sixth seed, and then we're looking at matchups that are a little bit more favorable, you know, um, that aren't the Clippers or Lakers. So, well, I don't know. I mean, I I hear you. And as far as like our little bit of our preview goes, I say that as far as teams that could probably go down, I'd say like the Clippers, the Jazz, I think are going to tumble down quite a bit, honestly, because of, you know, lock, locker room issues. And I think that the Rockets might slide down a little bit, even though Harden is looking way better and fresher just because Westbrook wasn't allowed to start playing and he had COVID. So hopefully we'll see how he recovers from that. But Oklahoma City is a team that I think can surge too. Obviously, I have a couple of biased dogs in this race, but Andre Roberson is back and he has a three-point shot now. And oh, a lot of people yeah. forget that Roberson was one of the best like one-on-one -on -one defenders in the NBA a couple of years ago. Like... There's defensive specialists, and then there's Andre Roberson. Andre Roberson is like Patrick... Roberson is who Patrick Beverly thinks he is. You know, like an actual lockdown guy. <laughs> and and he's okay. and he's not all loud about it either, so... Mm, all right. I... Sure. Well, we'll see. I mean, at the same time, Ben Simmons shot a 3-2, you know, in the scrimmages, so... Oh no, <laughs> uh, I don't know, but we'll have to see. I mean, I don't doubt he could definitely contribute defensively, but offensively, I mean, you know, when we hit the regular season and these games actually start matter, we'll see what the pressure does to him for sure, to a lot of these teams actually. But yeah, no, either way though, I could see the Thunder moving up for sure. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, with the Rockets, they don't have a center. I think their tallest player is like 6'7". Is that right is that, is that tucker yes 
Or, no, 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 they have Tyson Chandler on the roster. Okay, but I'm not going to play him more than 20 minutes unless you want him to pull a hammy, so just putting that out there. I mean, uh, if, if Westbrook is healthy, he's, okay, he's only 6'3", but he does grab boards. Like, a lot of people discredit his rebounds, but he actually goes up for rebounds, especially on the defensive side of the ball, so... I mean, yeah, sure, no, like he could, you know, he'll, he'll put in some work for sure. But I mean, at the end of the day, I would probably still bet on Steven Adams bullying Westbrook in the paint, or even like I'm not gonna lie, like I don't think the Rockets could guard Kristaps Porzingis, and that guy's skinny as heck. Like he's seven four, but I really don't think they could guard Kristaps Porzingis like that. I'm just gonna be honest. Like, what you're gonna put Tyson Chandler on the three-point line guarding him, and then when he drives all the way to the basket, like then what? No. So I just, I, and that's the Mavs, and we don't even have the strongest bigs, you know, in in this in the Western Conference, you know. So it's just I don't know. Like the more I watch the Rockets, especially in the scrimmages, the more I kind of doubt them too. Like I just doubt that they'll be able to guard a LeBron or an Anthony Davis. You know, or even, you know, on the Clippers, they have like a billion bigs like Zubach, Montrez, O'Hara. I think they'll get out bullied by teams that have legit big men like that. You know, even low key, the Pelicans could like most definitely bully the Rockets in the paint. Like, you can't tell me Zion's not going to be running everyone over or that Jackson Hayes or whoever else they got there won't be doing their thing a little bit. So I just, I don't know. Like, we'll see. Like, there's only so much you could put on Westbrook and Harden. Both of them will have, I mean, we've been knowing this, but both of them will have to be playing absolutely out of their mind for them to honestly even have a chance of like doing something in the playoffs. I think they'll make the playoffs, but I don't know about possibly getting out well, the first round. They're a lock, but you, you and I have, uh, have not dis have not really agreed on how the Rockets are going to fare and, We'll see what happens this postseason. But I think that the Rockets sure. at with with Westbrook and Harden specifically have the capability to beat any team in basketball. Yeah, I wonder right. I mean, we we've seen it before. They beat the Clippers in Los Angeles because Westbrook and Harden both put up like 40 a game. And with all the rest that they've been given. And with the amount of games that they have to play left, like I don't see D'Antoni really trying down this stretch, if I'm being completely honest. Like in the playoffs or regular season? Like this regular season. Okay. Because I, I think he might just try and keep as much in the tank as possible for those two guys. Interesting. And then just run it. That is interesting. And what, what, what do you think about it? Because I'm they can do that but here i don't let me pull up the rankings i'm pretty sure they could fall back as far as seven can't they yeah they can they're they're locked for the playoffs but they have the same number of wins as the mavs do yeah bro <laughs> uh, i don't know what, what do you think before um because we haven't heard from you in a while it's really hard to say i mean honestly like we all know that anything can happen any given week um and yeah. we've all seen weird stuff happen week to week so especially this year especially this year oh yeah i mean trying to predict 
this year just in general is almost impossible in my mind so i think it's anybody's conference yeah yeah um actually i'm gonna agree there because i didn't realize how close it was in the west like oh it's tight yeah the lakers are probably the only one that are going to keep their seed if i'm being honest at number one because they're five games ahead of i think they are of the clippers Mm -hmm. so then the nuggets clippers jazz thunder rockets and mavericks are all within of like four games of each other yep they all play each other too because i know the mavs play the clippers at one point um god the mavs play the bucks too which that sucks, dude. I don't know. Play <laughs> a top one or two seed in this regular season, but whatever. And the Mavs also have games against the Jazz, Thunder, Rockets. I don't think they play the Nuggets again. But if the Mavs and Nuggets were to have the same record, the Mavs definitely have that series. So, you know, they would they would probably get the tiebreaker if that's possible. Well. We will see. There's definitely some exciting matchups now that you bring up the schedule. I mean, on opening night, we have the Jazz and the Pelicans. And the Pelicans are... They have to fight tooth and nail to try and get into the playoffs. And against the Jazz team that seems like it's in disarray, this could be a good chance for them. Like, I could seriously see the Jazz falling as low as 7 or maybe... Okay, not 8, but as low as 7. Because there's a pretty good gap between 7 and 8 right now. I think it's like 8 games, actually. So... Whoever sneaks into the eighth seed, that's exciting. And then the Clippers play the Lakers, and I think the Lakers might bounce them because the Lakers, dude, J.R. Smith looks kind of good. Did you see that alley-oop to Dwight Howard? Yeah, that was pretty fire. Dude. I'm glad Dwight Howard's in the bubble, too. I'm just going to throw that out there. I'm really happy that he decided to play, you know? Yeah, because he was up in the air. He brings the, you know, he brings the talent of the whole league up. The whole league is Does. better when he's playing. True. I, I could agree with that for sure, actually. I think, honestly, even watching the Lakers, like, scrimmages, like, I know the Mavs beat them in the first one, but that'll be interesting to see because basically by the fourth quarter, it was our bench against theirs, and, you know, our team already had a 10-point lead on them. So I really want to see a Mavericks versus Lakers matchup. I don't think we'll get in the first round, probably not because that would mean the Mavs would have to drop all the way to the eighth seed and basically lose every single regular season game but I would like to see that matchup potentially in the second round if possible but other than that game the Lakers look really strong possibly even stronger than before like they all look focused they all know why they're there um i mean look i'm not trying to sound like a bronze sexual or anything but i'm just gonna be honest <laughs> you know LeBron, he did a good job of being a leader i'll throw that out there because you look at other teams like the clippers with Kawhi, half of his team is leaving the team and like not even playing in the scrimmages or practicing together even though that clippers team most definitely needs to practice because they were betting on the last month of the season to gel because they were resting players. They were saying, oh, load management for Kawhi, load management for Paul George, load management for like everyone on the squad. So they really didn't get to play together as a squad for more than a week or two at a time. And that's really not a lot. So I'm just saying compared to the Clippers, the Lakers look way more focused. They look, they look pretty deadly. Like J.R. Smith looks good. Even Dion Waiters has some moments here and there. You know, Anthony and- Davis shot from three has been looking clean too. 
But yeah, you know, AD and LeBron, I mean, they're both, we knew what to expect from them. They're both ready. There's virtually no rest. And I mean, you know, this is this version of LeBron, like this year's LeBron, especially with Kobe passing, with COVID happening, with Black Lives Matter and everything. And then everyone like like this was trending for a really long time before the season. They were it was called uh what is it? Hashtag washed king. You know, that was going for a really long time because LeBron missed the playoffs for the first time in like fifteen years or whatever last year, even though he was injured for a third of the season. But which is the most ever in his career. I think this version of LeBron is probably the scariest one, to be honest, because he's motivated by more things than just wanting to win a ring. And it's really not just his legacy at this point. You know, like this is, I mean, this is Kobe's legacy. This is the Lakers legacy. Because of COVID, like this championship will be remembered for a, for a really long time. I think I don't know. I'm just gonna be honest. I think this is the year. I'm. I really don't think that's that big of a you know of a deal. But I think this is the year the Lakers win the championship, no matter who they have to play. It could be. I Man, mean, we I, all. I hope we not. All know that, <laughs> I hope uh, not. We all know that LeBron plays much better under duress. You know. It's true. And playoff LeBron is a different monster that a lot of people have forgotten about. So. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. Um, y'all remember Lebronto, his last season in uh yeah yeah that was when he swept the raptors yeah it was pretty crazy for a little bit there they called him lathanos until he played the warriors but you know i really don't count that to be honest so nobody yeah those rings don't count kevin durant still sucks yep Yep. they don't mean anything i Um, think a lot of these questions that you bring up simon will be answered this opening weekend when we get a first look at real games that mean something. Because on Thursday, we have that Clippers-Lakers game. So that that should probably answer how determined are the Lakers? Are they for real? And can the Clippers overcome their dysfunction? Then you have Rockets and Mavs on Friday. <laughs> Let's go. I love it. So that, that, that'll answer questions that we have about, like what you specifically said, the weakest set of big men in the West other than the Rockets going against the Rockets and seeing how they stack up to that. And then we also have Celtics Bucks on that Friday, which I think is a huge deal to see because apparently supposedly Jason Tatum has been putting in work and then we'll see if the Bucks. Okay. Cause we didn't talk about the Bucks at all, but if oh. there's a power, a true powerhouse, it's the Bucks right now. Like, yeah, that they were on pace to beat the beat the record for most wins in an NBA season earlier this year, not by the time that it ended. And then, you know, on Saturday, the Nuggets place the Heat, which is Ooh. that's a those are stacked stacked rosters there. And, you know, I, I think a potential dark horse finals candidate, honestly. Both or yeah, that matchup. Heat and Nuggets. I said well, I agree. And um, then we have Jazz Thunder, you know, which is a potential um, playoff series that we'll see. And hopefully it's different this year. God, I hate the Jazz. Um, <laughs> dude, I, I literally hate the Jazz so much. And then Lakers Raptors, which could be potentially another finals preview. You know, Bucks and Rockets will be a good matchup on Sunday. So this weekend, I think we'll check a lot of the boxes as to what we're looking for from the the hot shot teams right because i mean 
don't get me wrong. I love the thunder, but I don't think we're contending for a championship this year. But, Here, go on. you know, Sorry. over in the East, you know, Milwaukee, Toronto, Boston, Miami, the top four seeds right now, I think they're all contending for a championship. I agree. I think that the Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets, and Rockets are all trying to contend for a championship this year specifically, you know, just based off of offseason moves and agendas and acts throughout the season. I mean, every team wants to win the championship, obviously, but like... There's teams that are supposed to be there, you know? So yeah, that's kind of what I'm talking about. Um, and so, no disrespect to the Mavs, but I, I don't think that you guys are a win-now team. I think you guys are a stick-around-for-a-long-time team. Oh, yeah. I think... I don't know. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm, I'm really biased, so, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But at the same time, I just... And if this, if anything was to happen, if there was a year where you know, um, you know, a an upset was to happen, a team was to break the pecking order of things in the NBA, and like it would just be a real abnormal year, it would probably be this year. And the Mavs of all teams have shown to be that team to do that before, like we have in 2011. You know, I'm, and this year's nothing like 2011. Trust me, because. You know, this year would be more fun. If this year's, but, this year's nothing like any year we've ever seen. Yeah, but you know, I I wouldn't count them out. I don't think I'd be pretty surprised if they made it to the conference finals, but I wouldn't be surprised if they made it to the semis. Wait, semis is it's the second what? round, right? You could just say the second round. Okay, the second round of the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see. Um. I also wanted to ask y'all right now the eastern conference like i'm not gonna lie like i really don't care if the nets magic wizards or hornets get the get the eighth seed whoever gets the eighth seed is gonna get stomped same with the seventh yeah. and sixth seed imo the east that's kind of is. i don't know i don't want to say what, that what? always happens but that's what always seems to happen what always feels like it happens. that's the east yeah. yeah yeah the east yeah in the west you always got some dudes but so let's talk about the West then. Like, think who do y'all think is gonna win that eighth seed? Because the Trailblazers are looking kind of fire with Yusuf Nurkic back, along with Zach Collins. Like, they can make a significant push for that eighth seed. You can't count out the Pelicans because, you know, they're a young team, a lot like the Mavs in my opinion, but just built different. I think that's a team that you should look out for. And then, I mean, I guess if you want to include the Kings, like they're kind of a younger team. You never know, but they could sneak in if things fall the way. And then you got the Grizzlies. So I'm just sad that the Spurs. Yeah, but I mean, you all kind of saw it coming. I don't know why the Suns are in this bubble at all, but they are. So <laughs> whatever. But anyways, who do y'all think is going to win that eighth seed? Liam, you can go ahead. No, I want to hear what you got to say first. No, you. <laughs> Anyways, um, I hate to not produce a hot take here, but I think that it's the Grizzlies to lose, honestly. John Morant is one of the most sensational young talents in the NBA. I'm blown away. Like As far as Rookie of the Year performances go, his is one of the best that I've seen in a very long time. And, you know, I think that they have good chemistry, and I think that... You know, they have a lot of guys that are young, but 
know what their job is on on this basketball team you know you have jaron jackson jr you know who has taken a huge step forward this year i think and is a good running mate for for um morant yeah i don't know why i struggled so much to remember his name even though i just talked about him and then you know uh valanchunas or valanchunas valanchunas yeah my bad he he's been good you know justice winslow has been playing pretty well this year like and was a great pickup by the way by this grizzlies team honestly because i think he's going to be really good in the future so i think that i don't think that they'll go far but i think that the grizzlies win the eighth seed and i say that they might beat the lakers one game which sounds like it sounds mean but i don't think that they'll get swept as the eighth seed Versus the Trailblazers that I just don't have any faith in this year. And I don't like. Yeah, I was about to bring <laughs> I was waiting if you would. Okay. That's, that's fair. Um, I could actually see the Grizzlies stealing a game from the Lakers, but that would be a good wake-up call for LA anyways. So, yeah. All right. What about you, Liam? I don't know. The Grizzlies is a good pick. I wasn't really thinking about them, but it, that's that's a better pick than I was thinking about originally. Who were you thinking of? Uh, to be honest with you, nobody. I was just kind of going through the teams in my mind and being like, them? <laughs> nah. All right. Eh, fair enough. Um, Liam said, sorry, only one through seven seeds this year. <laughs> That's true. That's fair. I could live with it. I could see the Trailblazers making it into the playoffs. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you can. <laughs> it would have shut your mouth. It would have to be a pretty like if they were to make it in, they would break the Grizzlies' hearts. I'm not gonna lie, and it'd be a pretty tough way for them to not make the playoffs because it's gonna be close either way you cut it up. Like there's no easy way of saying it, you know. Um, but I mean, I don't. I'm not gonna lie, dude. Just looking at the Grizzlies, uh, or sorry, the Trailblazers' schedule. So they play the Grizzlies on Friday. Actually, that could be, be a huge. real big game. Yeah. That could be a momentum swinging game. If they win that one, the next couple games might be like it would help them momentum wise for sure. But they don't have the easiest one because they play the Celtics. I think that could still be a winnable game. They play the Rockets. And I mean, like I said, I just don't. I don't know. Who are you going to put on Zach Collins and Yusuf Nurkic? Because the answer is you're not going to put Westbrook or PJ Tucker on either of them because, yeah, I don't know if you want to do that because then you're going to take someone away from Damian Lillard. Because it's not like James Harden is a lockdown defender, anyways. So, bro, you you act like the Rockets have been bullied by centers when they were doing this. Like we saw a sample size of like, I think it was like 15 games, and they weren't getting killed by centers, really. Well, but this last scrimmage against the Raptors, Pascal Siakam did whatever he wanted to them, and so did Chris Boucher in the paint, and like that really like. It wasn't like they were up by almost 30 points at one point in, in a scrimmage, you know, and like I know it's a scrimmage, but dang, bro, 30 points. Like, are you are you serious? Like, what it, what is that? You know, it doesn't it just doesn't make me feel good. Like, I don't have faith in this team. I really didn't before. But like even now, after seeing the scrimmages, I'm just not sure. But, you know, we'll see. You know, that game is next Tuesday. Um, dang, these games, wait, right? These games go by kind of fast. I mean, but yeah, they're all going to be done by the second week of August, bro. It's true. 
yeah this yeah. this is gonna be a real quick you know season we'll we'll cover most of it to be honest but yeah so you know, we'll see what's up with that but i think the rockets game is most definitely more of a winnable game than the celtics one and then you have trailblazers nuggets you could give them an l there you could have clippers and trailblazers you could give them an l there and then you have the 76ers that I mean, <laughs> they, we, we know they would win so we'll, just, we'll throw that out there uh, then we have the Mavericks, which is their second to last game. I'm not gonna lie, I kind of feel like the Mavs might start pulling players because I just, I, I don't know, but like they could still win that game if they want. And then they have the Nets, who are they for sure gonna beat? So to be honest, they're gonna play a lot of Eastern Conference teams who I'm pretty confident that they could beat. And there are a couple of teams here that will test them, you know, for sure, but it will be momentum shifters. But if we're talking about playoff game, and then you got Nurkic and Zach Collins, who are both fresh, you know, fresher than they would have been if even if they got into the playoffs and whatnot and they made a run. Then I I mean I don't know. Nurkic is real underrated, and I could see I could see them just barely stealing that eighth seed from the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies would have to lose some games too, obviously. Um, like don't get it twisted. But it could be done. Eight games is not a lot at all. This isn't like MLB when you got 60. You got eight games and that's it. To make it in so we'll have to see if, uh, kind of have a they have a tougher schedule i would say too though i'm just gonna put that out there so yeah if mellow and uh ariza party like it's 2015 then they're definitely going to make the playoffs them too i even forgot but yeah mellow and them were i mean they were looking pretty solid i thought too so yeah i don't know yeah. man i mean looking at the grizzly schedule like sure they got the Trailblazers, Spurs, and Pelicans the first couple games. Pelicans will be a tough one. and But then they got, you know, the Jazz, who we'll have to see where they're at. And then they got the Thunder, Raptors, Celtics, and Bucks. I don't know. I mean, if they win if they win the first half of those games, I think they should be fine. Which they should, yeah. if I'm being completely honest. They should. That's fair. I mean, if they win the first half, for sure. But you could most definitely split it. And then those last four games, like... I mean, I'm not going to lie. I feel like each of these teams in the last four games that they play are all teams that, like, have a lot more experience than the Grizzlies. And although the Grizzlies are good right now, and they will be get better in the future, like, don't like don't sleep on them. They're going to be really good in the future. I just think with a rookie jaw, a second-year Jaron Jackson, you know, it might be a little bit too much. It, just a little bit. Like I said, like, there's a scenario where the Trailblazers make it, but it's going to be extremely hard to watch for Grizzlies fans. It's possible. That's the thing. More True. than possible, I would say. So, yeah. If you're a Grizzlies fan, though, like, and you don't make the playoffs, I think you could live with it for now because you know that they're going to be a top four or five seed team in the next 15 to 10 years. So, here you go. Yeah. I don't really have uh, anything else to add on to NBA talk. Liam, do you have anything else? I don't really. Hey, before we move on, just right now, before the season starts, with everything we know right now, I already said my pick, but who do y'all think is going to win the NBA Finals? Go with your gut. My gut always tells me LeBron. Yeah. The Lakers, that's fair. Bro, 
Don't make me say it on air, bro. Say it, LeBron? Or what, are you going to say Kawhi? Nuggets, baby! <laughs> Let's go, baby! Let's go, Jokic season, baby! Oh Best in NBA! Top five player! Get out of here! Five? Get out of here! Jokic is going to get that finals MVP! And the Denver Nuggets are going to be the capital of basketball! Aren't we all ready? Isn't that a thing? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, uh, no. <laughs> I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the Nuggets just because I feel like we have a lot of unknown factors that teams just really aren't prepared for. Especially if MPJ gets into this bubble and he gets warmed up and you know. It might take us being down two to one in a series, but if we go down two to one in a series and we put Bobol and MPJ in the lineup and give them over twenty minutes, I I just don't see how teams are going to be ready to defend that. I don't. I mean, that's fair. MPJ and Bobol, this would be their first playoffs as well. They would be, you know, rookies going in. I get it. I could see it. You know, like. I mean, obviously, they would have to rely on Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic to, like, step up because they've had playoff experience. So they would have to step up. And, you know, Bobo and MPJ could most definitely step in and, you know, play the role. But, I mean, I wouldn't rely on them to, like, carry the squad and lead the squad. Oh, oh not to carry. Not to carry. Okay. I just mean that they're going to be completely new. They could be completely new weapons that other teams just really aren't ready for. And to to combine with Jokic and give him some more room to work, like Jokic, I don't know if you knew this, but via advanced statistics last year, per 36 minutes on the court, which Jokic played more than that anyway, especially because we had like a triple overtime game last year in the playoffs, which was ridiculous. Jokic was the second best player in the NBA playoffs last year. Both offense oh and defense combined. Mm, okay. Uh, on efficiency, on defending, on blocks, steals, like the whole shebang. Percentage. He he really is slept on, so keep your eyes peeled. Well, prove me wrong, and then I wouldn't have to sleep on and pause. But, all right, sounds good. <laughs> um, Did we want to talk real quick about Tom Thibodeau and the Knicks? Just really fast. And then we can move on. Sure, the Knicks hired another coach that's going to get fired in two years. Okay, so Cody has no faith. Um, He's Cody, all right. Fair enough. But it's fair. Dude, who is he he supposed to play for 42 minutes a game on that roster? RJ Barrett and Mitchell Robinson. Look. Gotta, like... If you give, in my opinion, those type of players, like just with where the Knicks are as a dysfunctional organization, you got to see what you got. You know what I'm saying? And like, I get it. Like people are concerned, like, oh, you know, you just go overplay them. But it's not like they're going to do any better with whoever they had right now coaching them. You know, I think someone like Tom, uh, Tom Thibodeau is a really good, a really good culture guy. You know, it's a reset of culture to be like, hey. This is what we're going to do and whatnot and get the most out of his guys. You know, even if he has to run them into the ground, which isn't the most, you know, player centric 
or player friendly ideology but it's still a better ideology than whatever sporadic thing they had going on in new york you know because with rj barrett you gotta push him he's a talented guard he's gonna be great mitchell robinson he's shown flashes but nobody's really like you know like developed him like that so if tom thibodeau could get at least a little bit out of either of them and have them playing at least more consistent than they were i think that's a little bit of a win you know no guarantee no. that both of those guys will stay for the next couple years but you know it's something thibodeau is a stabilizer that is for sure we saw it in chicago we saw it in minnesota he levels things out and basically allows people to walk on flat flat land if that makes sense versus right now where the knicks this past year they were walking up a half pipe that comes back onto itself like yeah. it's it was an insurmountable amount of garbage going on granted i think that the knicks problems are way beyond the coach level so i don't see yeah. them being like a great team but i mean hopefully they're better i mean i think basketball is more entertaining when the knicks are good at basketball but maybe that's just me i'd oh, rather it is i'd rather see a, a knicks team in the eighth seed than the orlando magic bro like <laughs> yeah i mean you gotta have there's always those historical teams that you just need to have there you know to because you know, they're box office because they're historical for the tradition you know what i mean even if it's not like maybe something that could be sustained but i think it's good for the knicks to be good you know i'm just gonna throw that out. i feel bad like it's getting to i'm not gonna lie like it's getting to the cleveland browns level and it's making me a little uncomfortable and i think it's making a lot of other <laughs> basketball fans a little uncomfortable too. like uh, bro remember when COVID first... hey real quick <laughs> this is gonna sound messed up just just hear me out Remember when COVID first hit? Well, first off, James Dolan voted to continue the NBA season. But other than that, James Dolan actually got got COVID-19. And ain't nobody going to say it, but the Knicks, Knicks fans are most definitely hoping for a certain situation to conspire with James Dolan and COVID-19. I'm not going to say it. You know, it would just be a quid pro quo type of thing. But you could guess what it was. And if that doesn't say how desperate this fan base is, <laughs> that they hope that this guy would just, you know, conveniently leave the organization for good, then I don't know what does. Because it's it's getting pretty close to a Cleveland Browns situation, which is, you know, before Baker Mayfield and all of them, which is getting a little uncomfortable. I'm just going to say it. So that's it. That's all. That's all I'm going to say. E, I think I'm uh, going to transition us to the next segment now. <laughs> um, wrong, though. Good That's idea, Cody. Not Coming wrong. up next. <laughs> Coming up next. Top five tight ends of all time. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Cycle 365. We are going to be talking next about the best tight ends in NFL history. Simon, do you want to kick us off with your list? Your best five? Uh, um, this one was hard, but 
at the end of the day, I just had to go with my gut. So here it is. All right. Number five, we got John Mackey. Number four, we have Shannon Sharp. At number three, we have Antonio Gates. Number two, we have Rob Gronkowski. And then at number one, I got Tony Gonzalez. Ooh. <laughs> okay well do you want to go next since you said ooh but no, no i don't want to go next i don't, I don't believe in <laughs> okay cody then well liam is about to hit that ooh button twice in a row because at number five i have ozzy newsome oh number four i have gronk number three shannon sharp number two antonio gates and number one tony gonzalez ooh. okay that is a new right. twice. Expected it. That's well, fair. you do better. All right. Number five, I got Gronk. Number four, Jason Witten. Number three, Gronk. Antonio Gates. Mm-hmm. Two, Shannon Sharp. Number one, Tony Gonzalez. So we're all in agreement that Tony Gonzalez is the GOAT tight end. All right. Well, let's start there then. Yeah. I mean, obviously, right? Like, the only person with more receptions than him, I think, is Jerry Rice, if I'm not mistaken. Or maybe Fitz just passed him, but, like... (laughs) Fitz might have passed him. I think Fitz might have done it. He has so many receptions and so many yards, it's insane. And the only travesty to befall him is that he wasn't on a Super Bowl-winning Falcons team. Like... Or any team. But I mean, yeah, you're I think right. the only travesty to befall him was that he played for the Chiefs for true 38 years. Oh, saw that one coming. <laughs> 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 okay. Yeah, that's fair, I guess. Um, he he probably should have had a ring, but you know, he was one of I'm those gonna... guys that also revolutionized position. You know, absolutely. No, Tony Gonzalez is. He's the best without a ring. You know what I mean? He doesn't need a ring to be the best. Whereas there are there yeah. are other players who have, or not, maybe not have, but they've been they've edged out other players by having rings. You know. But he's yeah, just he so far ahead sure. of the rest of the pack. Yeah. That's fair. And yeah, fifteen thousand yards. I mean, come on. I mean, and I look at some of these other guys like Antonio Gates. He played with Philip Rivers like his whole career. Shannon Sharp played with John Elway for the majority of his career. Gronk played with Brady for his whole career and still is playing with Brady right now. Tony Gonzalez, bro, like he played he played in Atlanta for about half his career, but dude, he was catching passes from Elvis Garback and Trent Green and Brody Croyle like and still putting up these numbers like Yeah, really. Like, bro, the Chiefs really have not had the type of quarterback play that some of these other guys have had, excluding on on my list, Ozzie Newsome, who, I mean... Yeah, Ozzie had nothing going for him. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I mean, like, he had, I mean, he had he's, no help. He seriously played in Kansas City from 97 to 2008. And, like, bro... Some of these quarterbacks on these. Oh my gosh. I'm just going to look up a list of Kansas City quarterbacks just to further emphasize my point of how bad 
some of these guys were like dude did, did you guys even know who elvis garback was like no cap no exactly I've heard the name exactly I've, I've heard the name no no joke i've heard the name well Doesn't i mean i know who he is it's because yeah. it's, it's because you grew up a denver fan yeah. like that's just part of it so we have elvis garback rich gannon i forgot he even went to kansas city uh warren moon for one game in 2000 trent green trent green trent green trent green brody croyle i can't believe i remember that name damon Park. <laughs> Damon Heward, I don't even know how to say that. Tyler Thigpen, oh my gosh. Like, I'm hearing these names and I'm remembering just how bad these quarterbacks were in Kansas City. Because Trent Green, dude, he couldn't buy mental health to save his life because he got so many concussions. Like, it wasn't right, bro. <laughs> so, as far as uh, a talented quarterback throwing the ball, affecting your resume, like, Gonzalez did most of his damage as a chief. That is statistically facts. Like, yeah. so that's fair. That's that's yeah. why he's the goat in my eyes of tight ends. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, like I said, for me, he definitely revolutionized the position uh, to a degree, like making it more normal for like you know, like basketball players or basketball player types to play the tight end position in football, which is a really big deal because it paved the way for a lot of the guys on my list. I'm just going to throw that out there. So, yeah. And, I mean, really, honestly, paving the way for the modern-day tight end, if I'm being honest. For so. sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, this, this pass-catching tight end, this still blocking, but, you know, we all know. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. Of course. Like, people would rather have a guy that could catch than block, I'm, if I'm being honest. Because you could get anybody to block. You could low-key just throw an alignment in there, and then there you go. But, Yeah. No Tony Gonzalez, no Orange Julius. So, very true. Ooh. Oh, Julius Thomas. Yeah. No <laughs> peppers. Oh, oh my god. No, he's <laughs> kidding. He's kidding. Sorry. No, I know. I'm kidding too. <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to the more controversial part, which is the rest of his list. Who do y'all put? <laughs> at I got Antonio Gates. Uh -huh. At number two? Yeah. I had Shannon Sharp. Uh-huh. Why? Because wrong. similar stats to Antonio Gates, but Shannon Sharp had Super Bowls. Okay, that's fair. Shannon Sharp low-key could have been higher on my list. I'm not going to lie, but I couldn't have put him above Antonio Gates or Gronk, though. So How can you not put him above Gronk? Well, here's the thing with Gronk. Like, I'm not going to lie. We've seen it. Don't think the Patriots would have as many Super Bowls as they do without Rob Gronkowski on that squad. Especially if Aaron, the same thing happened to Aaron Hernandez um, um, that, it, that it did, you know. I just, I just have a really hard time seeing, you know, like seeing the Patriots win as many as they did. Like, even, like, you... Shoot, I'm trying to remember which Super Bowl it was, but there's most definitely a Super Bowl where they were missing Gronk and it showed pretty badly. And the Eagles Super Bowl? That was a Giants one. Wait, are you sure? I thought Gronk was in the Giants one. I don't know why, but I was thinking the Rams, but I could be wrong though. The second Giants one, he was banged up. And so okay. he wasn't at I think he was probably at like 70%, maybe. 
Okay. Yeah. Well, either way, like when Gronk isn't there, the Patriots just don't do as well. Like they might, you know, uh, what's the word? Oh my gosh. They might tread water for a little bit with Gronk, but without a threat like Rob Gronkowski, I mean, there are multiple games that, you know, the Patriots most definitely would have lost. Because, like, honestly, just watching through Gronk's, like, film and whatnot, like, there are some really big plays that literally, like, I, mean, I don't know, like, maybe Shannon Sharp could have made it or Antonio Gates could have made it. But y'all know the type of plays where Gronk just, like, takes over. And it's, you know, like, he's just crazy good, right? But there are most definitely games as well when Gronk does get hurt. And I think, you know, Denver most definitely personally, um, you know, took advantage of that and whatnot for their own i mean you know everyone does it anyways but they took advantage of gronk getting hurt to get you know to get successful to win against the patriots and i just really have a hard time thinking about the patriots dynasty being the way it is without rob gronkowski or even tom brady's legacy being the way it is without rob gronkowski so yeah yeah td12 he's still great obviously even without Gronk but sure maybe he doesn't win an extra two Super Bowls honestly without Gronk no that's two is a lot you know or even getting two there. is a lot in there as well you know obviously so I I agree that Gronk is Gronk is one of the most impactful players while on the field but the reason that I have Antonio Gates and Shannon Sharp ahead of him is because they were on the field. It's fair. Because Gronk, up until this point, this can obviously still change, unfortunately. Um, he has played 115 games, and he's done the most damage out of any tight end through 115 games. I mean, he's played half as many games as Antonio Gates, but has like 70% of the same amount of touchdowns. So... That's, but durability is important. And we've talked about it with these other lists, you know, like if Gronk's um, sample size is the same size as these other guys, he's probably the best tight end of all time. I'm not even going to lie. He's the most uncoverable person I've ever seen. You know, like some, some players might be able to cover him for one play here and there or slow him down, but you really can't just one-on-one -on -one him. And you can't one-on-one -on -one a lot of these guys, but Gronk, He's just different because he's so much bigger than these other guys were or are, right. especially yeah. weight-wise. But yeah. that's why I have Antonio Gates number two. Um, he played 236 games, so he played like two whole more seasons than Shannon Sharp, about a dozen more seasons in games, of course, than Gronkowski and some of these other tight ends that we've talked about. He is the all-time leader in touchdowns at the tight end position and is sixth on the career list for touchdown receptions. Antonio Gates is. So that's why he was my number two is because he is the only guy to pass any of TG's milestones. So that's why I think that they're one and two right there is A, they kind of came one after the other and they played against each other and... Yeah, I think that they kind of benefited off of each other's play, and that's why their one and two in my eyes are are pretty close. And Antonio Gates was a part of that first wave of that revolution following TG's breakout. So 
No, that's fair. I mean, honestly, I really struggled with Antonio Gates versus Rob Gronkowski. Like I said, I just went with my gut. Like, who would I, if they were both healthy, who would I want? And it would just be Gr Rob Gronkowski, you know? But I get it, though. I get why you put him there. Honestly, if I could have two people at two, it would probably be Gronk and Antonio Gates. So, in their prime, yes, I'd probably take Gronk. Like, yep. just, just to be my, my tight end one. You know what I mean? If I yeah. signed my soul over for a tight end to be healthy for one game, it would be Gronk. Yeah. And, and wager my soul on it. Like, if I was promised that he was healthy for the whole game. And that TJ Ward isn't what? playing safety. Yeah, isn't on the other team. Then we're rolling out Gronk and we're yeah. going to get that dub. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, like, I, I get it. You know, honestly, if, <laughs> if I had to pick one tight end in the red zone, you know, and then one play as well, it'd be easy. You know, fade to Gronk 101. That's it. Or even if it was 1v2, screw it. Like, let's do it. Fourth down to win the Super Bowl. I'd bet my career on that oh, over just, Antonio Gates. I mean, it's just like a corner post to, to Gronk, you know, and you, you throw it high and he catches it, double covered, maybe even triple covered. And then he, Make it he stumbles, he turns around, and then he rumbles into the end zone. We've seen it. We've literally seen it before. More than once. Yeah, more than sure. once. Oh, it's honestly, dude, like the fade route, in my opinion, <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to throw this out there. Like, I love the fade route. I'm pretty sure because I grew up watching dudes like Gronk and I'm going to throw this out there because I'm from Dallas. Des Bryant just going up and getting it, you know, and like bodying somebody in the end zone. And that's it. Like, because at the end of the day, it's like, all right, well, if it's one on one, you got to get it to your best player, right? I mean, everyone knows that except for the Seahawks, apparently. But, <laughs> like, honestly, <laughs> like, he's just one of those players in NFL history where it's like, well, you know, you got to give him a chance. And, you know, yeah. it doesn't really take a lot to give. Like I said, he made me a real big fan of the fade route, like just getting a big guy out there, a big receiver out there, and just saying, hey, straight up bully this co little cornerback and make it happen. Make a football play. And then he does. And that's it. And I, I love it. You know, like the fade route is probably one of the most beautiful routes that you could ever evaluate from a quarterback standpoint and from a wide receiver standpoint. And, you know, one day we'll, you know, we'll eventually start doing breakdown videos of multiple players. And when we see a good fade route ran by a receiver or thrown by a quarterback, it'll show. And it'll show that they took inspiration from guys like Rob Gronkowski. So there you go. That's fair. Ooh. I, I think if if Gronk had been able to play five more years, if he hadn't been made of glass and his skin made of paper, sure, <laughs> you know, um, we I think we would be coming back and we'd be saying that he he's the best tight end of all time, even if he never broke the receptions and yardage record of Tony Gonzalez. I think he would definitely have the TD record. If he was able to play five, ten, five to seven more years, um, and he'd easily be past ten thousand, probably past twelve thousand yards. Right. But the fact of the matter, and for the same reason that I wouldn't put like Terrell Davis to be the best running back of all time, is that he just didn't play the games, right? And he just hasn't had the opportunities to to do it. 
I mean, Shannon Sharp has as many Super Bowls as Gronk, but he has almost 3,000 more yards. Right. You know? It's understandable. So, that's, and 300 more catches from, right, yeah. for Shannon. So, it's just, it's, it's, you know, because <laughs> watching Gronk, he was the most dominant on the field. But yep, just doesn't have the the playtime, and that's why I put four people ahead of him. All right, and that's I think that's fair, you know. Um, like I said, I was just going with my gut. Like I really don't, just on the past, you know, top five ep- uh, episodes, top five list of all times. Like I've really went based on stats and whatnot. But like, this is one of the few exceptions I'll make where a guy's talent. It's just a little bit too much for me to ignore. So, yeah. That's fair. And that's no disrespect to Antonio Gates, to Shannon Sharp. Like, I still both have them on the list. It was a little hard placing them on the list, but, there's, you know, they're both still on here for a reason, you know? What about Jason Witten? Jason Witten wasn't on your... Uh... They're of ours. Yeah, he wasn't on my list. Almost 13,000 yards, 1,215 catches, 72 touchdowns, 11-time Pro Bowler. Um, I was surprised he was on your list, but, I mean, personally... I mean, I don't like the boys, but, but like, but come on. Put some respect on that name. Well, facts, facts. I mean, okay, here, let me, let me backtrack real quick, then. I'll defend myself, and then Cody could go next. Like, I grew up in Dallas, right? And so, I, unfortunately unfortunately had no choice but to watch a lot of dallas cowboys games because this was before you know you could stream any game right so ideally yeah. i'd watch steelers games but i most definitely had to watch cowboys game or i'm not watching any football at all <laughs> so jason Witten was most definitely one of the guys i looked up to and was like a personal hero to me like next to probably demarcus ware as well as, as a football player, like, he just did it all. He was a great blocker. He could catch the ball. Like, he did it for a really long time at, a would say, a pretty high level. Even when he was older, it was above average. Like, even now, you know, like, he still blocks really well, I would say, or pretty well. And then he, he has solid hands. And, you know, he's he made some memories for me for sure, you know. Um, I just – I guess it's recency bias more so why he's not on here. I just – I felt like personally I had to put Shannon Sharp on here because of the numbers. You know, I had to put, you know, my top three guys, Gonzalez, Gronk, and Gates here. And then but you had F5, John Mackey at fifth, right? Yeah. I put John Mackey on here just because he was an older guy. Like I know Gonzalez was someone who definitely revolutionized the tight end position to a degree, but John Mackey was, I would say, one of the first great, like, you know, football players of all times, so, like a Jim Brown type of guy. And so yeah. I felt like I had to put him on here just because, you know, the best tight end position um, or the best tight end award is named after him. So that's why he's on here for sure. Well, but Jason for Witten, what? For college, it's named after him. But yeah. But I mean, you know, in football in general, you know, but Jason Witten is, is most definitely somebody that is in my honorable mentions. And I mean, I don't know, maybe if he won a Super Bowl, like, or had more playoff success, I would be able to feel better about it. But he doesn't. So, yeah. I mean, that's fair. It's, it's, I guess it's hard to compare the likes of John Mackey with 
the likes of Jason Witten. You know, John Mackey wasn't in a pass-catching tight end league. He wasn't in, I... but he still managed to rack up 5,000 yards. Um, it's it's just hard for me to see those as, as part of this recency bias, you know, growing up in a pass-catching tight end league, growing up in that in that style that that you know watching Gronk watching everybody else uh-huh. it's it's hard to to argue against Jason Witten's stats in my opinion that's fair no that's that's totally fair I just I don't know you know like he was great all, he might be one of the best all around tight ends of all time all around you know um but i don't know it's just hard for me to like it's the lack of i guess wins playoff success for me honestly but he was really like i like he was really close to the five spot i'm not gonna lie like when it came to the five spot i almost just had to do a toss-up i don't know about cody but for jason wooden it was pretty close for me there as well i get what you're saying though yeah. I was I was looking at because I felt like this list was super recent. So I wanted to get an older player on here and kind of what Simon did with Mackie. Obviously, mine's a little bit different. But but for me, it was either Ozzy Newsom or Kellen Winslow at this five spot for for being dudes who caught the ball. And Newsom won me over because he just really had better stats and was also really durable and you know it was more one of those guys who would be on this list before the guys who are on this list were on this list if that makes sense so you know ozzy newsome if you don't know he has almost yeah, eight thousand yards 47 touchdowns you know not super close to these numbers that jason witten has but I'd say one of the better players from those Browns teams in the eighties, you know, and probably the most recognizable to this day with the impact that he still has in sport. I know that that has nothing to do with him playing tight end, but I wanted one of these guys from, from the eighties when throwing the ball started to actually become more popular. So, and I went with Ozzie Newsome. I mean, Ozzie Newsome, you know, one of the big reasons that those Brown teams even made it, to the playoffs to face the Broncos and you know get crushed sure. by the Broncos. Let's be honest. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Hashtag the drive. Um, and maybe if the Broncos never existed, the Browns would be a, a much better organization. But um, but that didn't happen, and John Elway killed the Browns, and they moved out of Cleveland. What am I trying to say? The Broncos nostalgia is good. And don't compare John Elway to Damian <laughs> Lillard, bro. Dame don't even have a ring yet. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. won't have a ring. Damian ain't even been to five. He ain't even been to you one know. championship. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, saying, point guard. On. Sorry, point guard. Anyways, I mean, Ozzy Newsome, you know, Classic tight end. Classic tight end. And a lot of respect for him. He was one of the one of the best pass catching tight ends in a in a period where pass catching tight ends were a rarity. That's fair. Ozzy Newsom was really quick. Honestly, a lot of them kind of just bunched up near the end here. Like I would have put Ozzy Newsom over John Mackey. Come on, man. 
Oh no, because John Mackey did a lot as one of the first like great tight ends ever. You know what I'm saying? And like that's look, tight end back in the day, like way back in the day, used to just be like really not anything. They kind of just used to be like an H back type of thing or like a lineman, basically. Like it really wasn't a position. Yeah, they were they were a sixth lineman who would you know every third play go out and run around yeah for sure and like john Mackey was one of the first guys who like kind of solidified the tight end position i would say because like it's tight end is a weird like position like it's a lot like fullback i would say you know i don't know if we ever do a top five fullbacks list but you know we'll see but tight end is definitely a position that is a hybrid type right like me, it could be most definitely comparable to the safety linebacker hybrid type of as of the modern day. That's what I'm trying to say. So I feel like John Mackey most definitely like solidified it and was like, hey, I'm a tight end. I'm not a lineman. I'm not a running back. The whole I'm my own position. And he was one of the first guys along with Mike Ditka. But I'm not going to put Mike Ditka on here for personal reasons. So, you know, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Well, I. And, and I, Mackie's good. I just, I'm, I'm with Liam on this one that I think Newsom or Winslow as the more, I guess, comparable, comparable to modern looking tight ends go. Yeah. Plus, well, I mean, stat wise for sure. Yeah. And yeah. Winslow is another guy like Gronk who didn't play a lot of games, but if you stretched out his career numbers, like, He's insane. I mean, we all know that image of him being carried out of the Orange Bowl in Miami after, like, what was it, double overtime? Mm-hmm. But he, he was a huge part of that Dan Fouts passing attack that, you know, influenced the modern ball game today a whole bunch. So that's that's why I have those guys. But John Mackey is definitely an honorable mention. Um yeah, I feel like I feel like we've kind of talked about our five and six. Oh, Jason Witten, I do respect him, and with time he may go into my top five list. But he also went to the Raiders, so he might never get talked about ever again. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I, I hope he gets one yard total. No, let's okay. I hope he gets <laughs> twenty three yards total to put him at thirteen thousand, and then I hope he retires. Uh, too bad he's going to get negative one and um, the Raiders. On his next, the very next play, and he'll be at 12999. 12, 9, 9. Yep. Yep. And they'll never run a play with him again. He'll be like, put me in, coach. Hey. Yep. Remember when he tried be to like... be an announcer and sucked? Oh, that was He wrong. was a really <laughs> bad hit. Yeah, sorry. Jason Winton doesn't make my top five because what was up with that XFL stuff, bro? <laughs> yeah. He was that no was Greg. Rough. Wait, XFL? Wasn't it XFL? No, he was an NFL oh. announcer, dude. Yeah, he was oh, an Monday Night Football announcer with Booger McFarland. Oh, that's right. Well, <laughs> and it was like the I worst mean, lineup that they've ever had. <laughs> you can only do You're so much when, Bo- when Booger is your co-host, but yeah, out on the sidelines, it's oh. pretty bad. But you know, he's no he's no Greg Olson of the XFL. I'll say that. Facts. All right, do we want to do we want to give our uh... Or honorable mentions? Well, I just wanted to say, 
We've mentioned his name, but we can't forget about Unk out here. Shannon Sharp, the boy, three-time Super Bowl winner, by the way. Yes, sir. You know, one of the best personalities that the NFL has ever seen in an era that had Deion Sanders. So, I mean... Yeah. Skip still is one of the best personalities. Get get the national guard out here because we are killing the Patriots. Oh, on the sideline, yeah. one of my like, favorite quotes of all time. Like yeah. Shannon Sharp, a dog, and he was a baller too. I mean, him and his I I don't know if it was his cousin or his brother Sterling that played for the Packers, but they were both really good. And Shannon Sharp changed the game by being a receiver size. And speed and just being like, you know what? What if I was just matched up against linebackers instead and then just clowned on him? And he was really important to those Broncos Super Bowl teams because he was reliable and always open, usually running easier routes during those late 90s and was huge for Trent Dilfer as well. I don't think, <laughs> well, that Ravens defense was really good, but I don't know if Dilfer is a Super Bowl winning quarterback without Shannon Sharp. So, yeah. you know, we, sure. we've talked about some of these quarterbacks that these guys have had. Shannon Sharp was somebody who, in one case, made his quarterback leagues better, tiers better yeah. in, in a season that mattered the most. So I mean, we could argue also, that, that Shannon Sharp is the, the best Broncos pass catcher of all time. I would still say it's Rod Smith, but he's, he's, it's arguable. Absolutely. And Shannon Sharp, I think, also has... He has a stake or he has a dog in the race for best tight end of all time. You know, I think when it, we talk about these top four guys, well, at least my top four guys with Gonzalez, Gates, Sharp, and Gronk, I feel like it's it's a toss-up between them. So Yeah. For sure. Yep. Got any honorable mentions, Cody? My my number six was uh, Kellen Winslow, not to be confused with Kellen Winslow Jr., who washed out of the league pretty hardcore after being like a first-round pick, I think, by the Browns. Um, Kellen Winslow Sr., he was a dog. And um, hold up, Jason Witten, obviously. And then I'm going to throw in Zach Ertz as well as, you know, I mean, I feel like it's, it's kind of premature maybe, but... Zach Ertz did a lot of work for those Eagles team and Eagles teams and was a huge part of their Super Bowl win. For and sure. I think that we have a ton of tight ends in the league right now that could end up being on this list, including like an Evan Ingram or a Travis Kelsey or a George Kittle, depending on just how it goes. Yeah, for sure. No doubt. Yeah. I mean, you're very, very true. I get a, uh, I got an honorable mention that you guys aren't going to like. Well, you might, you, you'll be fine with it. Jimmy Graham and Greg Olson. Big honorable. Greg Olson. Me. Greg Olson, a baller. Yeah, both both of them ballers. Um, and then Vernon Davis. That's fair. True. It's a, I mean, he he's obviously not probably even like top 15. But Vernon Davis, great tight end. I mean... He did catch over 7,000 yards and 63 touchdowns, you know? So. Yeah, has a Super Bowl. He was good. Yeah, very, I mean, very reliable. Dallas Clark, that's another dude. Played yeah. with Peyton Manning basically all of his career. Caught a lot of touchdowns. 
Yeah, true. Tell us, Bennett. Chill. (laughs) (laughs) I'm surprised you're not plugging uh, Miller right here, Simon. Aaron Hernit. Oh, don't. (laughs) I'm going to have to edit that out. Heath Miller's all right. I mean, you know, he's all right. Like, compared to the Pittsburgh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers, like, they don't value him as much as they do. Like, he's like, hey, you know, he he does everything you ask him to, but he's not going to, like, not going to take over a game and be Antonio Brown or even what Martavis Bryant did for us when he was with us, you know? So, but he still did his job. Keith Miller, I, I think, would be closer to top 15 or top 20 though be top 20 top 25 so. that's fair yeah no, i'm just you know it is what it is still good it's just you know um yeah it's hard to it's hard to grade tight ends that aren't like big pass catchers yeah i mean we de- we we literally have like two different eras of tight ends just like we have two different eras of fullbacks but you know Fullbacks got the like, they got the butt of that stick. Yeah. Nice. I don't think I have any more tight ends to talk about. Well, I don't. y'all. Oh. Orange Julius, one of the best single seasons by a tie- by a tight end. Oh, but... for sure. That was maybe. I don't know. Maybe the best. No, not the best, but <laughs> definitely a good one. Just had to plug him there. But I don't have anything else on tight ends. There's no offense. Noah Fant going to be number one in about 15 years. Told y'all. He didn't even break break 1,000 yards. My bad. I mean, a lot of... You have 800 yards? Dude, a lot of of tight ends don't break 1,000 on a season. But he, I mean, he didn't... He only had 65 catches, so, I mean, he was averaging, like, bombs. He was averaging a tight end every... Or, not a tight... A first down. (laughs) (laughs) He's averaging a tight end every catch. Let's go. But no, I mean Julius Thomas is going to retire or retired, and he's pursuing a doctorate in psychology to study CTE. Oh, yeah, great, Orange Julius, baby, let's he's a great go. Guy. One of well, one of the one of the great off-field people, you know. I believe. Stalin Page, he can be, yeah, for sure. So, does that wrap up this episode of the Cycle Three Six Five? That wraps up our 51st episode of The Cycle. Technically, it's our 43rd official episode of The Cycle 365. But yeah, 51st altogether. Uh, Thank you for rocking with us. Check out our last mini-series episode where Cody got to interview his buddies, Anthony and Cody. They got to bring in a lot of really good insight. Um, I personally really enjoyed listening to... I think it was Anthony? Yeah. His uh his experiences uh, uh sorry his experiences with go karting that's always been something I've been interested in at least as of late with Formula One and whatnot so check that out if you haven't yet be on the lookout for next week's episode uh mini series episode that is with yep. Maddie yep next week so yeah it's I mean it's probably gonna be great it usually is so yeah uh I am oh wait sorry one more thing one more thing make sure you follow us on social media at the cycle 365 um on all streaming platforms give us a good rating share us with your friends and whatnot 
And yeah, I'm looking forward to the future of this podcast. We got some big time changes that we will announce at a later date. But right now, sports is about to be crazy. So we're going to ride that wave. And so I am one of your co-hosts, Simon Villanos. I'm Cody Stoffer. And I was Liam Hughes. <laughs> he was. <laughs> He's Willie Diggs Hughes. <laughs> Willie Diggs. Catch us next week. Peace.